0: On this week's Big Tech Show, when you travel, how do you avoid getting completely ripped off on roaming charges outside of Europe? And what are some of the travel hacks you should know about that aren't included in the tech you buy? We give you all the tips you need to know.
1: On top of my list, Adrian, is my noise-cancelling headphones. When I put them on, I loved it. It just goes boom.
0: And you're in this kind of sonic bubble and you can't hear the baby and you can't hear that weird frequency of the aircon on the airplane. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms.
1: indo an
2: Sáááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááááá
1: Lower and once here Donaldson and, if a in, and near Lord Jeffrey the Me
0: head will policy shock Ian Rodayano and a real
3: estate the a shoot. drama Ama, Tamajigiri, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throw In Independent.iesga podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to be joined as always in studio by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. Will, how are things? Good. Uh, The summer is back. Hurling is back. We're finally into proper football. No disrespect to London and New York last weekend, so it's good. It's a good time.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Like, if anything, there was nearly too much on yesterday. I think mm. or yesterday and Saturday it was 21 games over the weekend. Oh Jesus! And, yeah, and there's some there's some games, and we did well. We did well. Squeeze them all into the paper. I could tell you that. <laughs> but there'll be some weekends where there mightn't be as many. But like, definitely, um, it probably didn't start with a bang the week before. It definitely started with a bang this week. Yeah, yeah.
3: I think it's summed up by your sunglasses on the table. That the weather is good as well. Thank <laughs> you. What. Time, you change out of your shorts to come into studio. <laughs> shorts
1: ever. and a t-shirt. On before we came in here, yeah, I said I don't think I'd be let into the building with them on. To be honest, a of change. yeah chance.
3: Yeah, we'll be joined by Brendan Cummins, Tipperary legend, and Donica boy of the Irish Independent in just a moment to discuss the weekend's action. But it was an interesting weekend. We kind of, in our hurling preview last week, unfortunately, we pretty much got everything wrong. Uh, tipping Cork as all island champions, riding off Tipperary. Vincent Hogan, the Tip man, was the most respondent of all. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure he's a happy camper today. But that was the story of the weekend, wasn't it?
1: That's it. And you, that's what and you just can't really make. Produce predictions, it's that tight and it's that volatile it could just go kind of either way and that's the kind of way it showed um, you, you, I still wouldn't be writing anyone off, Like i will st- I'll still be fairly confident that Cork will make the top three in Munster, at this stage they'd be delighted to make the top three and then come through the back door, whatever way, whatever way they can but yeah, um, as I said to you, you just get get used to it, every every Monday now, between now and the middle of June, someone's going to be finished, there'll be an RIP over someone and then they'll resurrect the next week
3: yeah, I know. That's, that's part of our job, isn't it? Like, to kind of write the obituaries and then rewrite them yeah, and then bring well, them back to it. life. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Well, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Brendan Cummins, Tipperary legend, and in studio by Donica Boyle. And Michael, you know, we, we talked in our preview last week, of the importance of home advantage and how I think last year there was only one, you know, true away win in Munster, but already we've gotten two in the first weekend. Woodford going down at home to Clare, Tipperary producing a huge win in Porky Keeve. Like, that was probably the big story. Liam Sheedy getting his, you know, return off to a winning start and in some style.
1: Yeah, it just shows how much we know um, <laughs> after it all, and how fickle a game of predictions is, particularly in the hurling championship. Just just the way the way it's gone, it's it's so unpredictable. Two two away wins Tipperary. That's what we've been crying out for over the last couple of years. Is what everybody knows they're capable of. Really, really slick hurling. Really slick all over the pitch. But kind of underpinned by a savage work rate, savage intensity and hunger all over the pitch. They just wanted they wanted to get into areas. I just saw Seamus Cannon even scored a point there in the second half. And it was obviously he was going to shoot for a point. And I I, I I'm not actually sure who it was, but some lad was hairing across the field to make a run for a ball that he had a two percent chance of actually being hit. That's just the way they were yesterday. Um whether whether it's a case of maybe one swallow it doesn't make a summer, or we'll have to see whether they can back that up it's going to be difficult to, to back it up to that level again but it does it does look like they're back Liam Sheedy put all his faith in basically that 2016 team and a, a lot of the 2010 team that he was over when they went to Ireland the last time and he was repaid in spades and it just blows things open like we were talking last week I still think Cork have a great chance I'm not going to abandon them but it just shows how, how things can change in a week Well to bring in tip legend Brendan Cummins on the line Brendan like from from your perspective,
3: what impressed you most about about your your old team? You know, the, as Michael listed there, there was so many reasons to be positive.
0: There was, I think, it was the intensity um, that that impressed me the most about this group. I mean, there's no doubt that they have some of the finest hurlers in the country. But the question mark was: without the ball, are you prepared to work hard to get it back? You know, and and I think that was all over the pitch. The half back line certainly were the the ones who laid the base, especially in the second half when Cork got that row of points. Uh, at the end of the first half, people were thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen now with Tipperary?" But one thing that we all, I suppose, overlooked going into the game was when we spoke about how fast Cork were, it's um, very hard to you know, to show your speed when you don't have the ball. And Tipperary broke the ball away from Cork, got on the brakes faster, and because the Cork half forward line didn't track back and weren't deep enough it really meant like a game of backs and forwards. You saw one on one all over the place inside, and when you give the likes of Bubbles or John or Bubbles or John McGrath or these lads any bit of room to swing the hurley, like Bubbles the goal, Bubbles squared the ball across. If that was Bubbles 12 months ago, two years ago. He was going over the bar because we were all about bubbles. But the Liam Sheedy influence means he looks up, he springs it across then to John McGrath, and they go for the juggler. And that's when Tipperary are in full flow. And I think that's what impressed me the most, was the work rate that laid the foundation for all that to happen.
3: And, Donogh, the people who implemented this were the same players who were playing last summer, you know, when they they had a fairly dismal run. The the faith that Liam Sheedy put into that core group of players, as Michael said, some of them have been on the go for over 10 years, repay them so much.
2: Yeah, the, the the big thing about them is um, I think like Lee Machini effectively told us what they were going to do last week. I remember doing an interview up with him. I just I have the quote here in front of me, and he's uh, saying that uh, we'd feel sometimes that maybe our own fans would question our work ethic throughout the, pick, throughout the pitch, and that's something we'd would show flashes of. And he says that sort of look. It's a, he says basically we're very very skillful players, but it's about bringing that and complemented complement it with a really high work rate, and that's exactly what you saw. Um, it's uh, from the start. They were just going on the highlights of it. They seemed to be really ravenous. They looked to be in great physical condition. Didn't they uh, just like that? Yeah, and, I mean, uh, and
1: that's only a like a month or six weeks ago. You wouldn't have said probably that during the league, but geez, they look like trans- they looked transformed physically. They looked transformed. They? And I think we were in this room talking at one stage during the league
2: as well. And I, I think maybe we had Brendan on that day as well. We were saying, Jeez, is there is there an issue with pace through the team and all that? All those things seem to evaporate now. And I, I don't know were they were they doing something else during the league or were they just sort of was there a little bit of shadow boxing going on that you know, but I have to say that the that that's the result and the manner of the performance, two twenty four, I think it was from play. That that's it surprised me. The margin of it and how just how comfortable they were really in the end. Yeah, I think there's also
0: man? probably yeah, there's also a factor probably coming in there, and that tip were extremely good, and I wouldn't, from a Tipperary person, be taking it away. But if you're Cork, like you're wondering, where's the aggression? Where's the fight? What's going on in there? Where's the man we'd always spoken about the last couple of years and when things go wrong against Cork and if they, if they if you want to play him in a tournament match, you want to play Tip in a tournament game like it was yesterday where it's ping pong around the place, that's you know what I mean, Tip will beat you more often than not in that kind of a game. And Tip knew if they brought the aggression that they'd have enough for Cork. You know, and the next Challenge, I suppose, for Liam's charges is that when the hurlies are flying and it's bodies on bodies and there's eight defenders against four or five forwards, which will probably happen against Waterford the next day, that's going to be the next challenge. And we'll probably find out more about Tip then. But as for Cork, structurally, I didn't think they were set up that well. Their half forwards never really came back into their own half back line, like we see Limerick will do next weekend, to crowd up and block up that space. So the appetite to work and the appetite to, to come back and turn it into an arm wrestle wasn't there. So that allowed obviously Tipperary to flourish as we're as we're all talking about now.
1: Just but on just that well, like, one, it's amazing for for Callan's first goal, like within a fir- the first minute. Daniel Carney was chasing him back, and unbelievably, like uncharacteristic, he actually just stopped when he hit the twenty-one. He just stopped, and it it was just strange. Yeah. It was just little instances like that all over the field where. Like Tip just bullied him in, in in the kind of work rate department, and that's unusual from Cork and unusual from someone like from Daniel Kearney as well. Like, so they're going to have to turn things around like within a week with, with with Limerick. Limerick away, yeah. Like, like, but the only thing they do match up well with Limerick, and traditionally, last couple of years have have played very well against them and should have probably beaten them twice. But yeah, there there are a awful lot of questions now hanging over them. But yeah, it's kind of a mixture of the two. Tip were outrageously good. Cork were like unbelievably bad, probably, you know, too.
3: Yeah, and don't look like they had a fairly pedestrian league. And I think a lot of people were saying they're a summer team, they are focusing on the championship. And then they turn in this listless performance where they never really get going. You can see the goal in the first couple of minutes. They did rally back towards the end of the first half, but then started the second half just as bad as they did the first.
2: Yeah, and, and to think about it is this this format is so unforgiving that, as you see, they're, they're going to the All Ireland Champions, and it's almost season on the line stuff I know mathematically it, it's not quite that but if they lose again and Tipperary know only so well you lose the first weekend as they did last year then all of a sudden you're chasing your tail and the pressure's on the pressure builds and builds and builds and the team who've won two months of titles on the bounce probably feel that we within a whisker of being in Ireland final last year and all of a sudden they're playing for their season in, in, the, last, in the, the second last week of May it's incredible like
3: yeah, Brendan, like on that point, it's it's so difficult for Cork to come back and you know, facing the form team in Ireland and Limerick away from home next weekend. It could be, there could be curtains after two weeks.
0: Well, it could be. But the other side, too, is I think that uh, this Cork team will have enough to beat Watford and Clare, so that would put them on four points. What's really yesterday, from a, again, from a downside from a Cork point of view, they lost two points, but for me, they really lost two and a half points yesterday because they lost by seven, so that's minus seven. That sits on them now. So if they end up with three teams on the same scores, it comes down to score difference. So they are a little bit uh, on the back foot from that point of view as well. But they've got no choice like Tipperary last year, you know, and you just have to, to get back up again. And what better challenge when you're a group of players than to be going into the lines then? that's Limerick to play which is the best team and the best team in the country by seven or eight points. So they can trough the shackles a small bit. Obviously those players will hurt. We talk about them here about that little lack of effort. I suppose sometimes it doesn't happen for you on the day. So John Myler and his team will be hoping that uh, they wake up out of the right side of the bed next Sunday morning. Because if it's next if it's this time next week and they've been beaten again by five or six, then the wheels are definitely off the wagon below in Cork.
1: I'm just wondering, did I hear that correctly? That you said Limerick are the best team in the country by seven or eight points. Did I hear that correctly?
0: I did, during the league. So far, absolutely. I thought you were poor mountain now. No, no, absolutely not. No, no, I wouldn't know. Sure, Tipperary are going to be the best team in the country now. But it's no I think the way the way we've seen through the throughout the league and all, and that's going to be a challenge for John Kylie's charges next weekend. Can they reproduce the league form and add a bit on that you have to in order to get that edge of championship? First home game is ideal, Cork coming in wounded, but I do think Limerick will have too much for him when Bush comes to the show. And
3: Brendan, just one last question on tip before we move on to the other games of the weekend. You know, what do you think Liam Sheedy's approach should be now? You know, they were kinda of written off before the championship. Should he be tempering expectations after such an impressive win or should he be trying to get the confidence back, oh, well, we are contenders, we, we deserve to belong, we belong here?
0: After Sunday, Liam Sheedy's plan is, is probably going to be to dampen down expectations, I would expect. I mean, how many times in the past have we seen Chipperary look like we're on the rise, feel like we've arrived and then fall in the heap as the summer goes on. So players have a good, um, a good experience. And uh, he'll be hoping that experience will make sure that they're pushing on now because you can't take your eye off the ball in the Munster Championship if it can turn overnight. So Tip won't want to get caught caught up in thinking that they've they've made it uh, this early on the year.
3: And Michael, to look at the other game in Munster over the weekend, similarly, Clare weren't given maybe that much of a chance either by a lot of people. I think Waterford were, were coming into good form. A lot of people were expecting him to win in Walsh Park, their first championship game there since 96, I think. But I know it was only a one-point margin in the end, but Clare probably deserved that
1: to, to win that by a bit more. Ah, yeah, from, I, only, I only saw the highlights and, and a, a bit of the the rerun but Clare looked to be dominating most of the way through and Waterford kind of came out flourishing flourish and gave them a bit of a fright and got maybe a dodgy decision for a line ball against them maybe that that could have been the, the drawing point but Clare started very very well Waterford were kind of a bit all over the place you know we expected kind of a hostile kind of an atmosphere down in Walsh Park never really materialised because Claire were literally on the front foot straight away. Um, Tony Kelly got an awful lot of joy. I think Ty Deborka was on him for a good bit, which I thought was an unusual move. I thought Conor Gleeson would have picked him up maybe and try and keep him out of the game. He got five points from play. When he when he's when he not he's on his game like that, you're gonna be under pressure. But the only thing I will say is about Waterford, at least they did finish with a flourish. If they've been beaten by six or seven, they'd be going in next week. Very, very downbeat. Mm. But they finished with, you know, a bit of passion. Maybe they finished with the best team. Maybe they have a few kind of uh, selection kind of headaches now with Morris Shannon Morris coming in. He'd probably maybe start the next day. Um, they, they might have a better idea of their team for the next day now. If they'd finished, been beaten six or seven, like you'd fear for them. But Parik Fanning was very, very positive after and said that this is far from our championship over. And I suppose that's the way that's the way you have to be. But if the result had been a bit more unkind, I don't think they'd have that same attitude.
2: I, I just wonder, is there a small issue there for Waterford in that they are migrating from a, a very defined way of playing under... Um Derek McGrath and they're Derek McGrath and, uh, and now they are changing things slightly and again I'm working off the highlights of you but throughout the league though, there was evidence that they were changing a little bit Like there has to be teething problems with those the first with those, goal was a clear,
1: clear example of that you it wouldn't have seen no that sweeper like yeah then. you
2: wouldn't have seen yeah. that so and they have shown a, a propensity down through the years to, to concede a lot of goals it was one yesterday but I just wonder that when it only takes small little creaks in the system and all of a sudden you're very much exposed and fellas thinking well that should be covered by somebody else and it isn't because we're not playing that way anymore so you know it, but I think you're right in terms of they, they can definitely take something from it and um, but again, like last year showed, you lose your home games, you're in Bother and, and Waterford are in Bother at the minute.
3: Yeah, Brendan, what did you make, as the lads say, the, kind of the transition Waterford are, are making between that defined kind of style with the sweeper under Derek McGrath into the way Pork Fanning wants the team to play?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was mass confusion for the first 35 minutes. I, I, I covered the game and um, like Ty De Burka followed Tony Kelly. Down to the clear centre back position at one stage, and he was down there. And you could see nearly him getting the nosebleed, looking back up the pitch, going, God, I shouldn't be this far down. What will I do now? And he was conflicted, so he really stood on his own 65, whereas we'd normally see that red helmet on his own 45 to 65, which we saw in the second half when Conor Gleeson picked him up. And I also think um, we're all being a little bit hard on the water defence for that John Conlon goal. I mean, when Trunty got the ball, he was going forward. He had defenders going with him, and it was a bit of brilliance from Shane O'Donnell to dispossess him. Like, I mean, you never really expect Conor forward to take a ball off of a full-back like that but just O'Donnell is such a poacher he got, and that's how Conan was left so free inside. It came from a turnover that Watford thought they were going to, be, going to be going out the field with. But either way, I think once Watford settled, they needed an anchor. Like, they played two inside, and in fairness to Peter Hogan, he came out around the middle, and he had no clear, defined role, as far as I could see. He was only hovering, um, but inside then, when the ball went into the two bennets, it came out way too quick, and because Watford, our player, had numbers, with Jack Brown playing a sweeper role, they were the set up attacks, Jack Brown to Tony Kelly, Tony Kelly to Conlon, and and uh, Shane O'Donnell inside, who were isolated inside, and that caused wreck. But in the second half of it, our Fanning did well. He rectified it. Maurice Shannon came in with five minutes left, which ended up being five, ten minutes left with injury time, and the game transformed. And, and in fairness, it could be seen as Clare's Achilles heel. They couldn't put Waterford away, and if they keep leaving teams in the game like that, well, then, you know, it'll be a long monster championship for Clare.
3: Yeah Michael What did you make Of Clare's performance um, You know obviously Donald back from Harvard He played it brilliantly it didn't look like he, he missed a beat at all
1: That's unbelievable It, it really is uh, Whatever coming back Doing that at club level Is one thing But to be able to Seamlessly fit back in He's probably the, the right age for it And the right type of profile And a fella that would Look after himself Seriously well But to fit back in So seamlessly Was like it was Remarkable in itself Like about never missing a beat he looked, he looked better than he has looked even so that was amazing and even John Conlon has very little hurling done Say so he'd be delighted just to have got in for the goal and had a, a reasonably big impact on the game as well we've always kind of said as well if they can get Tony Kelly on the ball um, and get him into those to score and chances I was amazed how, how loose he was left and I know uh, Brendan said that Tiger de Bourca followed him but he, he was free an awful, an awful lot as well uh, I thought their defence I, I would have been critical enough of their defence I thought their defence was, was very very solid the whole way through apart from maybe the last 5 or 10 minutes when a couple of scores uh, Pat O'Connor Dave McInerney were very very good and like they're full of optimism now going into the next day Like it's not, it wasn't unexpected from them I'm sure but it was probably a bit unexpected from, from most people that they would pick up full points there and it's some, differ- it's some difference for them looking forward now
3: Yeah and they actually have a rest week next I'm sure they'd actually probably like to be out next weekend mm-hmm. after getting that momentum but we'll turn our attention to Leinster now don't go Saturday night we had Dublin versus Kilkenny and Again, uh, another thing we maybe got a bit wrong last week. We were talking about Kenny and the, the master voice diffi- at a blinder last week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think we're in zero from four. actually. <laughs> yeah.
3: and you'd be sacked now <laughs> if your <laughs> manager existed. Yeah. And the uh, you know they were missing the spine of their team pretty much. But the caveat, I guess, was TJ Reid would have to have a huge performance, and that he did two twelve from a two twenty three total is huge for one player. But uh, it was a massive win for them because Dublin would have had that game in their crosses as one as they could definitely win given the absentees in the Kilkenny team.
2: Yeah, because someone flagged it to me um, maybe last Thursday or Friday. They just said that the Dublin price had collapsed a little bit. I think they started the week maybe at... Trees. A, a trees terms, was it? Yeah. And they were into around twos or a little bit shorter than twos. And, you know, that sort of... There was a little bit of a... That opinion that was sort of growing as the week went on that, hang on, there could be something here. They never have a better chance to beat them in Nolan Park and all that sort of stuff. And they started quite well, in fairness to them. Um uh, from just watching in the box like I think they did what you might have expected them to do and Liam Rush was skittling fellas out of the way uh, from full forward and I, th- I think um, just Kilkenny so slowly got the grips of them as the game went on and as you said TJ Reid he was the difference like um, you know he's carried so much weight for that team over the last two years like he's always been a- absolutely outstanding but I think the amount of heavy lifting he's done for that team over the last 18 months two years or so has been absolutely exceptional like the other day he was
1: he just always delivers, doesn't he? He just always stands up, no matter whether things are going good, bad or indifferent, he'll always deliver when the need is most.
2: And you, when you look at him too, you don't think he's necessarily burning the place up, he just travels so lightly, and he's like, even for that goal, the, the the one from play, like he he just kind of filled, emerged into that space, yeah. and he made that goal as well at mm-hmm. the very beginning of it, and he just f- found himself in that space and the finish was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, no, Kilkenny, um, like, you know... St- Will are still alive and with every week that passes they'll probably get one or two more fellas back and they'll get a little bit fitter and better and
3: you know at your peril as they say Yeah Brendan what did you make of Kilkenny's victory uh, you know Brian Cody surely gets a lot of credit given how many players he was down
0: Yeah he was there's no doubt about it looking at Kilkenny they look probably at their most vulnerable but then again you know below Nolan Park as they know only too well when it, when it looks like they're a bit vulnerable that home crowd and all get behind them and Certainly I think that the Greg Kennedy incident probably lit the, the lit the fire as well and it got everybody really angry and ratty and all the things that they needed to be. But once Padraig Welch went back into that, that half back line I think the whole game changed. Um, he just momentum when he gets the ball under puck outs. He's just reading of the play, makes the right decision all the time. Richie lahy did really well and he came on. So overall, I think Brian Cody would be delighted. I mean, you do it still holds no matter what Kilkenny team comes out. You have to be five or six points better than to beat them by one, and it was no clearer than the other night in Nolan Park.
1: If you were if you were a Kilkenny player and the supporters obviously got pointed, but when you saw Cody basically going after Greg Kendy you're just, and you just whatever like if they were missing. Any bit of passion or anything on the on the field, you'd immediately be energized by it. Like, <laughs> I, I well, it was just th- a bizarre moment. What was your, what was your overall? Ash, it was it was crazy. The referee obviously wasn't looking at the at the incident because he was dealing with Chris Crummy. So the free probably would the free wouldn't yeah. have been allowed. Anyway. I, I
2: think it was ultimately I think it would be it was pretty harmless because he was back to the play and so the referee was never going to let it go ahead whatever he only turned was. when the noise yeah, was, yeah. yeah and he turned with the noise so he was never going to let it go mm. ahead so we're always brought, being brought back so uh, uh, it was like, said in the Sunday game last night the mood in the place turned you know <laughs> mm. and then all of a sudden was there like you know sort of redouble your efforts and here we go
3: so backfired he kind of ignited
2: the. I, I, we're always mad to hang something on moments <laughs> like mm, that yeah. but you know and, and, and we're probably too eager to do it sometimes but it certainly didn't work in Dublin's favour. Like I, I, I do like Dublin were missing a lot as well and, and that and a couple of key players and you know, it when, when Keeney was missing, it means you have to leave Liam Rush inside. Maybe yeah. you can do something else and bring him out to field. They're just sort of maybe Shallower than and than a lot of Dublin, like Tomas Connolly played the other day. Like he's been around Dublin and Ireland for for a good while, and he, they're getting. I, I do think they're closing the gap, but didn't they of all the teams, they need to have full full wide.
0: Yeah, just one other thing there on that. I think the importance of the free taker was taken very much into account in Nolan Park, where Tracy was missing frees in the same way below in Welsh Park when Bennett, Stephen Bennett, was driving frees wide. It kills your momentum. Like Dublin had a couple of frees there where they could have kept the scoreboard ticking, especially in the second half. They go wide initially below in Watford yesterday when the Dacia crowd were looking to get into the game A free go wide. And then there's a moan and there's a fist pump from the opposition. So, you know, we just saw it again the weekend. We take for granted when a guy puts the ball down like Peter Duggan or TJ Reid It's just going over the bar. That's just what they do. But when they go wide... You know, it has a huge impact on the on the momentum your team has.
3: And just one last thing on Dublin, Brendan. Now they welcome Wexford to Parnell Park. And their season's probably on the line as well. Like another team who can't really afford another loss.
0: Yeah, it's a must-win game, I would say, for for Dublin now. Um, Galway, I know they just about got over Carroll and all that. But they'll be building as the summer goes on now. But um, yeah, I think it is. It's it's, it's just a huge game now. Because if Dublin can can get something uh, off of Wexford, it puts Wexford obviously on the back foot. And suddenly, you know, Dublin are back up again to the team with the confidence we saw against Tipperary. So on their home ground, it's Fortress Parnell Park. We've seen it so many times before. But they, that is a real must win for, for Dublin hurling and to get them further into the summer.
3: Well, that up. Brendan, thanks so much for joining us.
0: No problem at all. Thanks Cheers, very much, guys.
3: Thanks. Well, Michael, you were obviously at Galway-Carlo as well, and a uh, very valiant effort from Carlo. You know, Came, came out only six points off, off Galway, which is huge for them.
1: Yeah, no, a great result. Uh, a great performance, to be fair. Um, they, it was kind of nip and tuck for the first 15 or 20 minutes. Galway pulled away. They were 10-5 up, and then they ended up 14-8 up. Conor Cooney got a goal within 30 seconds of the restart, and you're thinking, ah, uh, they're, they're going to pull away. I think the handicap was about minus 15, and you're thinking, ah, it's going to be in around that. And within two minutes Carlo had a goal themselves and Marty Kavanaugh, who I've talked about on this show before, was outstanding like no matter who great in the league against him was yeah, well. brilliant, yeah. yeah. And no matter who was on him, it didn't really matter. He he popped over five from play, Chris Nolan got one two as well. Their backs re- really kinda shook all the way down. It was only really in the last 10 minutes, Connor Whelan kind of thundered into the game, got a couple of big scores. It was looking kind of ropey and Colin Bonner kind of just said after, he just he just wished they could have got it to two and just maybe had that little bit of doubt but when there was three in it and Galway were always, it was always four back to three, four back to three as opposed to the other mm-hmm. the other way around. He just couldn't get that bit closer but a big effort and I think like Colin Bonner said after as well like their, their intent on not being like one hit wonders or anything either. I don't think they will be but he just wants them to back up this in the next three games as well. Dave Kilkenny coming to town at the weekend on Sunday, which is going to be going to be massive. I I think they'll kind of fancy their chances in a way. They fancy their chances have been very competitive anyway, particularly in a tight pitch. But yeah, I don't think uh, we, Carlo are going to be the walkover. Maybe the people have predicted beforehand. It's,
2: it's hard for those counties we saw it, I think with Offley last year that they sort of throw so much into the first few games and then there's just energy levels sort of weighed off and all of a sudden it, 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 it gets harder and harder for them because they're working off such a smaller panel and the schedule mm-hmm. is fairly bruising but um, no I think like they certainly quitted themselves very well and they did again in the league as you mentioned so um, you know, they, they lost nothing in that at the weekend I think they'd love to pick up something they'd love to give themselves something to go on
1: um, it's the Dublin game. It's, I think that prob- even Marty Kavanagh said that in an interview. That's the game they need. That's the game they think they can get a result out of. Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah, no. I think they can. They, they've certainly uh, did well for themselves. And, and we made the point a few times. But like, was it four or five clubs? Yeah, incredible. four senior Did clubs. Senior yeah. clubs. Yeah. incredible goal. And just,
1: uh, just on Galway as well, um, just a couple of interesting things. Colin Callanan started his first game for Galway since the, the 2017 All-Ireland, the goalkeeper, which is a big thing. He had very little to do yesterday, but it looks like they've, they've put their eggs in that basket. That's the way they're going to go. They don't look to be looking at Fergal Flannery or James Kettle anymore. Dottie Burke had a, a broken toe, so he missed the game. Apparently, he'll be back for two weeks' time when they welcome Wexford. Um, uh, what they about
3: did, Minus Joe Canning Like how did that Play yeah, out Yeah a
1: bit rudderless At times to be honest With you yeah No real great ball winners They are trying to Avoid hitting ball down Carroll are quite strong In the air They're half backline And half forward line, So they tried to Avoid that but it was only really when it kind of got kind of loose at the end that, that their forwards started getting on ball and getting scores. But uh, mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see Galway are going to get better with every yeah. week.
3: And on the John McDonough Cup, offaly Leash was, was the big game of the weekend. Unfortunately for your county, they came out on the wrong end of the result. But very impressive for Leash, but from an Offaly perspective, very disappointing.
1: Yeah, I was over at. Uh, disappointing, yeah. Uh, realistic, maybe, yeah. is probably the word I'd associate with a bit more. It was a brilliant game. Um, I think it was 4.22 to 3.21. Leash just had a bit more an attack, they had three or four lads that could contribute, Did had Chad Dwyer, Patrick Purcell and Ross King who could all contribute I think they had something like 1-8 or 1-9 between them from play there were some great scores um, unfortunately, that's just it's a, it's a realistic view of, of where we are now and now we go to Westmead on Saturday night and realistically if we were beaten by Westmead we I would of the running to get into the Joe McDonough because Westmead and Leash are probably going to be the top two counties so yeah, it's a um, massive game Saturday night and there's not going to be anything in it in Cusack Park. And, uh,
2: still, and still Joe Bergen, I think, was 11 points looking at it here. Yeah, you know. and,
1: and even the 11 points doesn't do justice to, to just, on what, just on what he did. He, he yeah. carried him at times. Ushin yeah. Kelly was brilliant as well. He got 2-3, but yeah, and our defence is in very the league, creaky. They were,
2: they were leaning heavily on, on, on Bergen and Dooley as well, which, you know uh, they, those again, those boys are doing an awful lot of spade work for that team, even... You know, mm. shoveling against the tide sometimes, but um, you know, they're they're not getting any younger. So
3: And for Leash, even though Eddie Brown's only been in there a short space of time, they had a pretty competitive league and a great start to Joe McDonough.
1: Yeah, no brilliant in fairness, yeah. I, I think they hadn't beaten awfully, they hadn't beaten awfully away in championship. I think since nineteen sixty five, from from what from what I could see. So they're they're on the pig's back now. They're they'll like, be very confident that they're going to win the rest of their games. The only game I, the only game I'd really think there could be trouble in is the Westmead game. Antrim will be tight, but I would see them coming over that. The Westmead game would be very tight as well. Just on Antrim as well. Antrim had a, had a, a massive win against <laughs> Brendan. Didn't bring it up in conversation. He's involved with Kerry. They took it. They took a fair pace in Antrim at the. Weekend 319 to 14, and are, are probably under pressure, but a very good win for Antrim. Yeah,
2: what are people in Athlete? What do they make of it of being in the Joe McDonough, fairly? Like, do they, I, do they, I think do they accept th- it where it is and they go out and support our county team as it is, or, or is it so? Like yeah,
1: there was a good crowd there the other night. I think you kind of have to accept it, really. Like, at the end of the game, anyone anyone that could take the blinkers off, and I chat to them after the match the other day, they're thinking you are just a bit better. They don't they they hate admitting it yeah. because it hasn't been the case in a long, long time. But at least they're just a bit better than us at the moment. And I'll be honest, like being at that the other night, you're thinking at least they're gonna get four they're gonna be four really competitive games that you that you don't know which could go either way. Mm. So like that's that's probably that's where we should be then in that case.
3: Yeah, well, we'll move on to football now and throw in an association with Board Gosh Energy. And we have a, a Mead man and an Offley man in the studio. And don't want to compound your misery. A, a
1: relieved Mead man. Yeah, don't want to compound your misery,
3: so. Michael. But yeah, we'll start off with that game in the Leicester Championship. Mead, narrow winners over Offley. Going into the game, I guess you would have expected a more comfortable afternoon. But offley even been competitive under John Mohan thus far. And they made life very difficult for Andy McIntyre's man.
2: It did, yeah. And I think um, for the first time, I think you, you saw Mead struggle with sort of. A, the weight of a little bit of expectation because I mean have sort of been in no man's land for so long and maybe almost beaten Tyrone last year and almost beaten Donegal the year before and almost getting out of Division 2 for a few seasons in a row and then uh, to finally get out of Division 2 where people are going hang on a minute are we starting is there something to get behind here yeah. and it's a perfect day for football and Navin's a great venue it's bang in the middle of the town people there's a big walk-up crowd there people just you know it's quite accessible for most of the county, half an hour cover every all, everyone's travelling time. So, um, you know, and then all of a sudden they're expected to do stuff, and it's a funny place now. And I've worked there, and I've played in it a few times as well. And that old stand throws out ferocious nights. But I've seen with the county team when when things starts to go against them, it really gets on top of them. You know, it can really the natives get get restless. <laughs> like, and I think think awfully came, and uh, I, I I don't know really know how they played, but I I do think that. um, the the general consensus is that Mead were were very lucky to get out of it and I d I haven't heard anyone say anything different to that. Um that goal was the the turn on point. McNamees had a Andy Colgan saved, it, I think, at the feet of yeah, McNamee, yeah. swept up the field, a point attempt went wrong, and uh, Brian McMahon and Fairness to him contested and ended up slapping the ball to the net. So like that's tiny margins. That was a that was a six point swing obviously. So we would have put awfully four up and instead Meade went two up. Yeah. So
3: Huge, huge moment in the game. And can awfully take positives from it because they were so
1: close. There. They definitely can. And like I know they were, they were kind of teetering with relegation to Division 4, but they actually had a really good league. It was a point or two either way. They easily could have been Injury on... Injury time on goals. Yeah, and Yeah, collapses. Exactly, they could yeah. have probably like, finished way up like, the table, They could have been yeah. on eight or nine points and going into the last day against Sligo, they could have been fighting for promotion. It's just funny funny how it works out. I, I, was, I was a bit worried that they mightn't be able to bring that kind of consistency. They were very consistent throughout the league apart from the down game they they gave a great performance yesterday Peter Cunningham Owen Carroll threw over some great points they would have probably disappointed Anton Sullivan maybe didn't he's one of the kind of go-to men maybe didn't deliver as he normally would and it, as Dunnocky said it did kind of hinge on that goal chance it was a great save from Andrew Colgan who was having a bit of a disaster there was, there was two kickouts one of them was blocked down and another one straight to an awfully man but he kind of he redeemed himself there and then it was a kind of a goalkeeping error at the other end and I, I just I don't know I hate to see goalkeepers coming out after their line for a high ball because if they do, and it's the same in Hurling as well, it's just a flick and the ball is in the net. But And that's kind of what happened to Paddy Dunnigan, unfortunately, on his on his championship debut, I think it was as well. But lots of optimism going into the, going into the qualifiers. Hopefully, uh, there, there's not too many sharks kind of waiting for them and they could go on a bit of a run. But in fairness, like Andy McInerney kind of said yesterday, that's the first time he kind of felt Mead have gotten a bit of luck mm. in his whole reign. And uh, they used every bit of it.
3: And from a Mead perspective, you know, they've Carlo up next you know, what what what's the expectation in the county for what this team should be achieving this summer?
2: Well, I think if I think people have been slow to expect things because of the thing I was talking about that, you know, the amount of near misses and almost moments there's been. Um and then when they maybe expected something yesterday and expected a nice day out and a relatively comfortable championship win that never materialised. Um so I, I think you're going to the good thing from this from me point of view is that you go into that Carlo game with a whole bucket, new bucket full of respect for the team you're playing because there's Obviously, very little between Mead and Offley, and there's very little between Offley and Carlos as we saw when they played this year. So, you know, Mead will have to go into, uh, to, to, they'll have to go into that fully on guard. Um, Offley will fancy themselves to give them a chance, and, and Mead struggle too with games I've covered. A struggle against teams that get numbers behind the ball. Over the years, they've never really figured that out. And if that's the way uh, Carlo go, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought it turned it into another dogfight and
3: see where you go from there. But it's it's far from a foregone conclusion. And what about the game you covered then, Loud versus Wexford? Loud, uh, you know, finished really strongly, I think eight points, was eight it? Eight points in the bounce, yeah, yeah. It was sort
2: of a funny game. It was, um, uh, Wexford got a penalty midway through the second half and that was the that looked like it was going to be the, the goal to get them over the line. Uh, and Ryan Burns came off the bench and he's a very talented fellow, I covered him. His first touch in senior championship football, he came off the bench, I think he was doing his leaving cert that year and he scored a goal to see Loud beat Westmead. Really talented fellow. I remember Aidan O'Rourke was really big on him after that game when he was loud manager he came off the, off the bench and transformed loud they kicked 8 in a row he kicked 4 including uh, including 45 um, and they did deserve it in the end but it was kind of a hard look on, on on Wexford too they had done an awful lot of the things right they had taken uh, a good few of their opportunities and a problem for them now and Paul McLaughlin was saying this afterwards and could be a problem for, for Offaly as well and anyone who goes out this early goes out of the provincial competition this early a lot of fellas will be looking around them now and they'll be thinking, well, I can hang around for the qualifiers, but what am I going to get out of it? Maybe another two or three weeks, another two or three matches, or I can go to the States. So that's an issue for Paul McLaughlin. He, he admitted afterwards that it, that it might be. He lost a few fellas to the States last year, and, and a lot of the smaller counties are going to have to deal with that because there's really very little... They can offer fellas who maybe have the chance to go to the states. That's the once play a a
1: championship. It's a bit. Uh, it's, yeah. it's
2: different, and actually, the, the, yeah. we we're talking to Pork Davis, the Longford manager, but just recently, the different jurisdictions in the states have different rules about oh, okay. what level you can okay. and can't play. Like whether you can play league or championship or whatever. So um, now that you play a championship, but you did see like last year, fellas heading off to the states for one reason or another, or maybe just deciding not to hang around for a. For a, cha- a
1: qualifier campaign, it's quite early to be out. Like I'm waiting for qualifiers. It and is, like and it's,
2: it's a full. It's it's almost a full month till the first round now. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's early June, I think. So you
3: know, and Loud's reward is a clash against Dublin. Uh, did you see anything there that could suggest they could put up a meaningful? You had a good
1: tweet of yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> are we out of course? Are we? <laughs>
2: um, no, they're in the midst of their. Um, they're in the midst of. Their, I think they've kicked their fifth point in a row, and you could just feel they turned the screw in Wexford, and Wexford just starting to run out of legs, and it was a hot day and everything. And this fella, I describe it as a Dundalk action, maybe or Drogheda action. It wouldn't be too dissimilar to my own. And he, <laughs> he goes, "Jim Gavin is shitting it." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, it is. Ah, look, Wayne Cairns said afterwards, says no matter what, we're going to learn something from it, and that's probably the, the best possible way you can look at it. He said, "There's no downside to it." I asked him, like, was there an issue? Maybe you ship
1: a twenty-point beat. I don't know, think there is. Yeah, I think uh, lads. I know there's. It's. I know it's. Um, you probably suck the
2: life out of a panel, but like,
1: can do. But it's a fair experience for lads too. To be able to say, even when you finished up, that just I played against some of the greatest, uh, we were beaten by but the finest possible allard in the midst in of it. In in midst it like yeah, I know it's gonna be a, tough like in the midst. A, even of it, yeah. a, you know or you shipped game. your fifth goal and yeah, still no, 15 no. <laughs> minutes
2: ago. Like a, if you're in a club game and you're on the receiving end of a hammer and then you ask, like you know, you're, it's already over and the are rubbing salt and the wound mm. and the referee says there's 15
3: minutes ago, which you it feels like a night long time. What'd it be like in County Football? <laughs> with those fellas? And just to round up on Leinster, Kildare, only two point winners over Wicklow, and again like shot, shooting themselves in the Fought like you know, had a seven-point lead at a various stages in that second half, and we're kind of
1: clinging on then. Right at the end, yeah, just they were well ahead. You, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have seen the comeback coming. Basically, you would have thought that if for Wicklow to be really competitive, that they would have stayed with them the whole way, and it would have been who pulled away down the stretch. But yeah, things don't seem to be too rosy in Kildare at the moment for whatever reason, um, and I know they carried some injuries into that kind of game as well, and. The club month was a was a bit of a disaster in in the sense that there was a couple of lads picked up injuries even playing for the county during the club month and then missed their club games as well um the vibe just doesn't seem to be great at the moment in Kildare for whatever reason. I don't know what. I thought after, I think most people did after the Newbridge and Noir thing last year and getting to the Super 8s and been relatively competitive in the Super 8s that they would push on this year. It
2: should have been galvanising for that. For It that should through, have been, I'd you know,
1: imagine so, yeah. Well,
2: you know, he's I, lost yeah. his two selectors and he lost his probably Daniel his Flynn, best player. Yeah. And um, but In fairness to him, he's always quite keen. O'Neill's very straight up when you ask him a question. He said consistency has been a big issue and he pointed out it's been a huge issue even going back to when Kieran McGeaney was bringing him to All-Ireland quarterfinals almost every year. They were beating the yeah. every were, were, were losing to they lost to Wicklow and Crow yeah. Park, I think, one of those years. So, you know, it's been a huge thing and sort of like me that when they're expected to do something and they're expected to maybe just put a game to bed and take care of business that they really struggle with that sort of that, that mantle. So... um I, I, Kildare, like you know, if they can get out of their, get out of their own heads a little bit, I think they've an awful lot of,
1: an awful lot of talent. talent don't they, yeah. They're a
2: very they're a very athletic team as well, like you know, which is which is half the battle. And uh, you know, again, if they're given a shot against a team that maybe they're not expected to do, the like a scenario like the Mayo one arises again, mm.
1: wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if if they took a big scalp for the summer. Just, just on that, and what she shares the last night, they are a very mm. frustrating side to follow. Like you really, you really. Not sure what you're going to get on on a given day, but the first really frustrating part is is that you know the talent is there, yeah, and it definitely is there. There's no doubt about it. And even mm. with someone under twenties filtering Kevin into the team from probably last the best year. Fetcher in yeah,
2: country like yeah. The, you could put him up against anyone now and yeah. I'd say he'd hold his own. Jimmy
1: Island is probably one of the best underage or the best kind of emerging kind of forwards in the country as well. Like and it's just frustrating.
3: Mm. And what do you make of one of the results of the weekend? Limerick beating Tipperary, mm-hmm. you know, in, in style as well. And Terrell like, you know, tip. Have, have been very competitive over, over the last couple of years, and Limerick haven't really. But this was some result, it was, yeah. And and you thought Tipperary had sort of rode
2: out the storm a little bit when they got all that there was a 12 fellas they'd injured at one stage. Liam yeah. Cairns was telling us, and you thought, geez, you know, they're they're they've got over the hump here now, they can they can do something with it, and you'd expect them to be, beat Limerick. But in fairness to Limerick, again, Ian Corbett looked to be absolutely sensational. She looks to be speed of him, he looks to be in great physical yeah. condition, like you know, he can carry the ball and he punched so many holes in them. And, you know, Cairns was very straight after the game, too. He says, better team, hungrier, sharper team beat us in the day. And, you know, we we talk about uh, structures and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, those are the sort of things that would be lost because that was a a team that struggled largely in Division 4 this year against a team that uh, were in uh, Division 2. I think, yeah, they were relegated along with Cork on the last day in Division 2. But you probably wouldn't have had them in a tier structure. So, the debate
1: rages on. Hats off to to Billy Lee. Uh, when they were beaten last year in I think it was by Clare in Munster, he took he took a right pop at the at the county board over what he saw as right, yeah. deficiencies or whatever. And something obviously to
2: do with the submission to the team list, wasn't yeah, it? There yeah, was it was there was a problem that someone
1: wasn't available for that Clare game because he wasn't put down on it or they missed the deadline or something like that. But like they've obviously clearly got their house in order. You wouldn't you couldn't have seen it coming from their division four results, but they were outstanding yesterday. Like They just gave tip, just that Tipperary breed and funnily enough it's kind of a counter argument to, to Shane O'Donnell. Shane O'Donnell was flying having a not playing league. Quinlevin and a couple more just didn't look as sharp as they normally would. They missed nearly the whole league. Hmm. A couple of his best players Liam Kearns is what I've, I think he admitted himself it was probably their lowest point during this kind of journey and yeah they'll they'll be under pressure to kind of pull things back now for the qualifiers. And
3: one of the, I guess, Ireland contenders were in action as well, Tyrone versus Derry. Six-point winners in the end after a fairly competitive game. Derry, at times, you know, looked like they could really trouble Tyrone, but they just had a bit too much. And Colin McShane in the inside line as well, another really impressive outing.
1: Yeah, no, fair play to Derry. They came in with a bit of momentum after winning Division 4. They played defensively. I, again, I don't have a problem with a team playing defensively against when you're playing against superior opposition. You're trying to keep yourself in the game. When they got the goal, it looked like it looked like they could push on and kind of like the Greg Kennedy incident in the Dublin Kilkenny game it just seemed to spur uh, Tyrone to life Cottle McShane it's kind of turned into like a like he's obviously always had the talent but parked in parked in around the edge of the square He's so good in the air, and his ability to kick points from anywhere. Uh, Cassidy wing back as well kicked over some savage scores. I think they'll be. I think they'll be happy with that. I was chatting to Owen Mulligan maybe a week or two before the game, and he said uh, he was like unequivocal about Tyrone are going to win by double scores. This is this rivalry doesn't exist anymore. And I, t- I kind of think he was saying it just to kind of you know blow smoke up 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 Derry and get them actually moving. And they did, in fairness, and they made it competitive. Tyrone will be happy they probably learned a bit more. They have to play a different style. They didn't play a different style. They played the kicking style yesterday and it didn't always work with the, the blanket defence. But it's good to see that they seem to be persistent with that. And that's with a long-term goal of, say, trying to beat Dublin or trying to beat someone in an All-Ireland semi-final or final down the line, which is kind of admirable to see as well.
3: Yeah, Dunica, what have you made of that transition to, towards the more, I guess, direct style on occasion?
1: It's sort of... Um there's
2: been a lot made of it because I think people sat up and paid attention of the Dublin to their game but I remember covering Tyrone Cavan in the league in 2017 I think it was and uh, Matty Donnelly and Sean Kavanaugh were paired in the full forward line so they have been working on something for a while and they've been very aware of their own deficiencies in, in that regard now, sometimes they just didn't have the players to do it sometimes they probably hadn't practised it enough in McShane they seem to have found a piece of the puzzle that was missing and McShane was midfield in that under-21 team, the All Ireland, right, in, yeah. in 15 as well. So, But uh, uh, apparently he plays a lot of club football at full forward. So, you know, if, if he is the piece of the jigsaw they've been waiting on, it, it's a big piece and uh, he certainly gives them something different. If they can go long and they still have all those athletes around the middle who are so good at that running game, um, you know, that, that they need another strength or a bow and it looks
3: like they're, they're well on the way to finding it. On the other two games, Clare, very narrow wins winners over Waterford, 9 points to 8, and then Roscommon uh, you know, winning well against Leitrim, who would have come into the game with, with momentum as well and confidence.
1: Yeah, just on Clare, I don't think they scored after the 39th minute. They scored one point in the second half, which is just bizarre. Again, uh, their Division 2 against Division 4, mid-tier kind of Division 4, Waterford went very defensive again. Um, Benji Whelan kind of went with a youthful, youthful enough side, I think, his big thing was the stress that he needed mobile players. He had a lot of mobile players the other day. Very close to, to causing a shock. I'd say Colin Collins is very, very relieved. They lost... Um, they lost... Is it Keelan Sexton went to the States? or Keelan Sexton uh, or... Well, J- David David was injured anyway. Yeah, though, he was he? injured as well, yeah. So, like, they... Uh, that Sexton will be one of their better players as well, and with Tuberty's class act in, in the forward as well. So they're missing two of their better forwards. So like they're not exactly blessed with a huge squad or anything either. So they were always going to be they're always going to be getting given a bit of trouble there. Uh Common, in fairness, m- minimum of fuss. To be fair, um, they looked there was two. I think it was. 2-1 or 2 goals within the first 5 or 6 minutes and that kind of just kills when you're an underdog trying to kind of mount something or get a b- bit of belief going it kind of just kills it but fairness like Leacham the league run I don't. I think Terry Highland kind of said as well that the league that is, was their, country, yeah, the league yeah. their most important kind of the league was their championship essentially you know yeah
2: yeah, and I, I, I think there's a harder edge to was coming this year as well I saw them against their own and maybe previously you'd expect Tyrone maybe to dominate that physically and set the the rules of, of engagement and that. So it was common that they were, were really sort of like they were ready for it and I think you, you saw a little bit of that as well, that just hard
3: nose got out, got the job done, move on, next game. Mm. And we might finish up with our regular rising stars section in association with board gosh, Andrew G. Michael. Did any young player in either code hurling off football stand out to you across the weekend?
1: Uh not necessarily young, but there was actually do you know he's actually not a rise. it's not a rising star, but he's a star mm. that people probably thought uh maybe wouldn't have another kick in him. But Brendan Myers... Transformation since doing his cruciate last year has been absolutely phenomenal. Like he's literally in the best shape of his life, and like you talk about players not missing a beat, he was injured, did his cruciate in mid June last year, had the operation in early July, and is back absolutely flying. He got man the match for Bursley in their game that was televised in April. And if Bubbles hadn't bowled over seven yesterday, he would have been in the reckoning for man of the match as well. So, not a rising star, but uh, re rising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like it's just phenomenal, really, what 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 he's done in the last you know ten, eleven months. I think Bubbles is a good shirt in that regard as well. Like you yeah. know, if you look at the stats that uh, Eamon
2: Sweeney pulled together this morning, like last year he was subbed and then he was dropped, and he scored three points in four games in the championship. Like yesterday he got seven. Yeah, so he more than doubled his tally in one game. Um, so like you know his talent is obviously never in doubt he's phenomenal I remember Owen Kelly would always tell the story that Bubbles turned up a trainer one day and he whipped a crossfield pass and Bubbles kind of caught it behind his his, <laughs> his back like that yeah. and you know absolutely been lashed at him and Owen Kelly was in like Jesus you know, things have kicked up a notch here. Who's this guy? So, um, you pull, know, will you read
1: that pull quote at the top? It's absolutely, it's
2: absolutely quality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Emma Sweeney says, if if uh, if a race horse improved as much as O'Dwyer has in one year, his trainer would be up before the stewards. So, <laughs> actually, you know, he was phenomenal yesterday, and like he's he's well worth watching. Like he's admission fee sort of stuff.
3: Isn't well, it? it sums up the weekend. that two tip kind of veterans are are kind of re rising stars now because Liam looks to have reinvigorated. Uh, so many guys on that panel but on that note I think we'll wrap things up Hurling is back football is back we're finally into the summer properly Michael Dunnigget thanks so much for joining me Thanks for that. a bit. So That's all we have time from the throne this week in association with Board Gosh Energy We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the weekend's action and in the meantime you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie So until next week thank you for listening and goodbye Board Gosh Energy Putting customers
2: at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action Hashtag hurling to the core.